Welcome to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast, proudly presented by Homefield Apparel. Uh, it's been, what, two weeks since our last podcast, I think, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, a lot of stuff has happened, guys. How how we been? Seth, Steve, how are we doing? It's so good. Just not, nothing could be better in life. Yeah, doing well. Uh, still some, I've had so much spring football to watch. It's been so much fun. It's all worth my time, and I've really been enjoying it the last few weekends. Really learned a lot. You know uh, you know how to beat these teams with uh, the film that you watch now because of the spring game, so that's good. Yeah, you know, big mistake on Georgia's part, big mistake on Alabama's part. Ohio State went Big Ten Network, so not as many people saw it, so <laughs> probably good. Florida went totally behind the paywall, so good stuff from new head coach. That's smart thinking there. That was on ESPN Plus. Yeah, ESPN Plus, SEC Network Plus. They went like double paywall. Double paywall, and it was on a Thursday before Good That's Friday, right. so like nobody saw it. So like sneaky, sneaky there, Billy Napier. We call this we call that forty chess. That's where you yeah. we're opening it up to the fans, but not really, not really, not really, and. uh Let's let's get into it because we got a lot of stuff to cover. A lot of spring sports are kind of wrapping up, and uh, they've got the conference tournaments. Uh, so let's kind of jump into it. Uh, I'll let you guys pick. Do you guys want to go golf or tennis first? Uh, for the sake of Seth's uh, enjoyment, uh, we should probably talk about golf. Perfect. Perfect. So let's start with uh, women's golf. Uh, they finished their uh, season um, with a fifth-place finish at the AAC conference tournament uh in pinehurst north carolina where uh, the weather conditions were less than ideal uh to say the least um which is probably really putting it really really kindly um i think it was like mid 40s uh for most of the three days uh melanie green turned in her seventh top 10 uh finish uh and over 10 uh events this season uh, she finished sixth individually in the 50-player field. Uh, she's she's been pretty good as a sophomore um, uh, coming coming in. Um, what, let's see, looking at 19 rounds of par better, and uh, her season scoring average was uh, 71 and a half. Uh, are both new high watermarks in USF single season history, according to USF. And you know, looking at the the scores from the tournament. You can kind of see that weather played a, a major factor. We were kind of discussing before uh, the podcast got going like how 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 bad were the scores? Could any of us beat it? And like the worst round in a score was an eighty six, yeah. and uh, I could only dream of shooting an eighty six in perfect conditions. Um, so a lot better than the three of us. So we were saying I would get like twenty strokes. I would like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's tough. I've, I've gone mid eighties, but uh, really good conditions, and of course, I've played quite a bit. So, I don't think I'm going mid eighties at Pinehurst. Uh, no. It's just an inkling I have. Do you think? <laughs> do you think we could scramble and beat anybody in the field? Um, how many? How many guys we got? Just us three. This three right here. A, a three man scramble. Yeah. I think we could get like a mid-table finish. Steve, you play that all? Uh, I have their golf clubs. I have a set. That's well, that's half the battle. <laughs> that's half. That, <laughs> we're already there. It's it's a uh, surprisingly it's not a PVR golf bag. It's a Corona bag. So going a little bit off brand there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time I played golf. Not recently. Um, you strike me as a golfer, Steve. Just a natural. Uh, naturally, uh, you know, I, I pretty much am a, uh, I'm a, I'm, I shoot like 71 consistently. doesn't matter the, the course, uh, just always shoot 71. That's per hole. Um, I was going to say, what about the back nine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, which is kind of surprising. Cause I mean, your family like is in a sailing club in Jacksonville and Duval, right? Like, yeah, we play, we play croquet seems, instead. It, it seems like the ultimate white guy, hoity toity white guy sport for you to play. And you just like, as a, as a graduate of a hashtag country club school, you just completely bypass golf. 
Um, I, I mean, I play it socially, uh, which is, I think, probably the widest way I could probably say that I play golf. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we're we're more of a we're more of a tennis and a sailing uh, club, not a, a racket, not as much of a racket club family. Yeah, we're uh, actually big into croquet now. That's the that's the big uh, sport that we like to get into now. Very that's competitive. A that, that's a gateway drug to golf. It basically is. I uh, boy, boy, do the rules of croquet just supersede everything that you think you know about life. That's fair. That's fair. Um, just a kind of quick recap uh, of women's golf and the season in general. I mean, they continue to make improvements under head coach Eric Brennan. I think it, uh, we've talked, we've talked, you know, kind of ad nauseum about the the difference that she has made on this program uh, coming from where it was uh, previously under former head coach Tiffany Pratt's, um, where she was uh, unceremoniously let go. Uh, under interesting conditions, um, to to say the the very very least, uh, to so to see what she's been able to do in her, what, I think this is year four, year three, year four, um, maybe even longer. God, it's been I've been covering this. It depends this on if you're going to count the COVID year. Yeah, so Which. it could be year five. I think maybe um, she's done a fantastic job, and excited to see what that hashtag the uprising does uh, in the future. Uh, I think Melanie Green's a, a really good centerpiece uh, to kind of build a program around. And then um, she, she's got the ship going in the right direction. And speaking of centerpieces, let's switch gears, go to men's golf. Uh, it's the Al- Alban Bergstrom show. And uh, it's always going to be the Alban Bergstrom show. Um, this kid is ridiculous. Uh, he's played 30 rounds of golf this season. 27 have been under par. You just super casual, like setting literally every single school record here. Uh, they head into the conference tournament, uh, this weekend. Uh, they host once again, where they'll look to defend their title, uh, album, uh, won the individual crown last season. Uh, and hold out in impressive fashion on 18 to to capture it. He, I think, he had a two or three stroke lead uh, going into uh, 18 and uh, chipped in, or no, it was a part. I think it was a putt uh, from like just off the green uh, and hold out to capture the title. It was a really awesome moment for for him, for uh, Steve Bradley, the, the entire crew. They they do a, a really really good job. Um, so that's from Friday to Sunday at Southern Hills Plantation. Uh, up there in Brooksville. So if you happen to, you know, be in the Brooksville area, pop on by, check them out this weekend. Um, Alvin, Alvin Bergstrom, currently the 47th ranked amateur in the world. There's a lot of people in the world. Top 50 is pretty good. It's it's pretty good. Um, he was invited to the Arnold Palmer Invitational, I believe is what it's called. Let me double check that for you guys as we Bay Hill. We're fact checking live on the Voluminati podcast. That's here. what we do, man. I want to make sure I, I get it right because it's actually really, really impressive. Uh, we need to get like a little little tally mark anytime yeah, Arnold, any of us are Arnold wrong. Arnold Palmer Invitational in Bay, at Bay Hill in Orlando. That's what it is. Look at me, man. Uh, nailed it. Nailed it. Um, and it's like for the top international um, guys, it's Arnold Palmer Cup selection. Uh, he will Uh-oh. compete for the international team. Uh, let's see. I just want to make sure I get this right. Uh, so he's one of the top six international player, players in the Arnold Cup, Arnold Palmer Cup rankings uh, that was announced today and was part of the 12-man international team that will take on the United States team at Golf Club de Genevieve in Switzerland July 1st through the 3rd. Uh, it's a annual golf competition uh, for college slash university. Uh, it's basically like the college version of the Ryder Cup. Are, is, uh, are we going to get sent there to cover it? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. We can get some credentials? Yeah. We'll call, a, um, we'll call a favor in. Yeah, if you want to um, send your um, – just keep all your receipts and then <laughs> send them to uh, – Colin Sherwin, he'll take care of that for you. All right. Um, so that'd be great. 
Uh, yeah. Ooh, boy. That'd be really fun, though. I'm sure, I, I think uh, we would have a good time. I think that would be the most eccentric thing that an SV Nation site slash podcast has ever done. Yeah. Like, let's I can't to, think of anything that's going to top that. Let's go to Switzerland and, and cover the College Ryder Cup. I mean, and, I, and, I and really, should. we're not even going to be rooting for the, the U.S. team because USF, the USF guy has <laughs> is on the international team. Speak for yourself. <laughs> These co- these colors don't run, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh Lord, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and then we've got we've got tennis going on. Uh, women's women's tennis uh, knocked off uh, Temple on Wednesday, depending on when you hear it. So tech tonight or slash Wednesday. Uh, Temple was up three one. They blew a three one lead. Uh, impressive stuff from women's tennis. Uh, they. They needed that pretty pretty badly. Uh, their season um, didn't go as planned. Would be the the best way to put it. Uh, they went uh, six and fifteen this year. Um, it just how, how harsh am I allowed to be on this on this version of the Illuminati podcast, bro? Be as honest as you need to be because they didn't win a a, a single match the last three the last three like. Uh, yeah, they got they got skunked quite a few times yeah. this year, and and they, you know, I, not that I come into the women's tennis uh, with high expectations, you know. Obviously. But here's the thing: we should because they've won multiple conference titles over right. the last six or seven years, and they've fallen off a cliff. That's what needs to be discussed. If we're if, yes, I'll, let's be honest here: if we're going to be as hard on football and men's basketball and all of the other sports, we have to be not equally as tough on. The other Olympic sports that are are not cared about as much, and I I think there needs to there needs to be a discussion. Uh, six and fifteen, you know, is, is not great. Uh, if we're being perfectly honest, and last year was less than ideal as well. Uh, they were eight and fifteen, so hey, they won two more games because they played two more games. But it's tough. They face uh, Central Florida uh, tomorrow. Um. They have not fared well against them over the last couple of years. I know that sounds I, weird, right? It sounds yeah. weird that the uh, USF team would struggle against Central Florida um, because that never happens, but it is the case. So they fucking suck. Like they're they're bad. <laughs> I, <laughs> man. <laughs> I asked. I asked if I was allowed to be harsh, and, and we concurred. <laughs> but yeah, they, they they need help. They need they need a lot of serious help. Um, I'll leave my I'll leave my thoughts alone there. I think I think if I think if you're gonna roll, yeah, I think if you were gonna roll the dice and, and make a change, I think that's the easiest sport that you could probably make the change at. I think you're I think you're gonna tie up less money and get a more instant uh, gratification there if you're gonna want to make a change. I didn't think we'd be calling for the firing of a tennis coach today. I've done it all year. Steve is a racket club <laughs> I've done it all year. <laughs> I've done it all year. Steve is a racket club guy. It oh, it man. is it is the the one Olympic, you know, spring sport that has not shown improvement. I will give you that. Right? Uh, women's golf, steady improvement. Track and field, steady improvement. Men's golf always good men's tennis even when they dip low they're still pretty good women's tennis great and then they've fallen off a very very large cliff and i don't see uh the end result coming anytime soon uh they are getting the new tennis facilities will that help possibly it'll help in recruiting uh but i mean you're getting you're getting you're getting beat bad, man. Bad, like really bad. I think they were they were skunked six times. It's not great. Six. What is that? Six out of six out of twenty-one. Six. Yeah. And they had six wins, so they were they lost the same amount. That they you had a you had an equally likely chance of winning the game than you did to just not score a point. 
And I feel like that's not great. It's not. It's really not. And, and Nick, as you said, man, we're getting we're getting the tennis facilities, so that's great. It'll definitely help men's tennis take the next step because, frankly, the tennis facilities are very, very outdated. Hector, it could be. You know, you know, maybe they got to go. Maybe they need to switch from like Wilson to Penn or something like that, and ch- figure something. Change out. Change the balls. Know. You know, they're that just changed. they're just all about love. <laughs> Oh, a lot of, lot of six, six love sets out there. But I wish that, that's how they scored it. Yeah, but uh, on a happier note, I didn't know uh, I would I would be the I'd be the nice one tonight. That's a nice little change. Uh, men's tennis, uh, they're thirteen and nine heading into the conference tournament, uh, riding a five five uh, game win streak where they've uh, knocked off five consecutive top seventy five opponents. Uh, most recently in uh, in a thriller. On uh, on Saturday uh, at Central Florida, where they went four uh, three, I believe it was um, a game winning ace that that won it for for the Bulls. So give us those six Warren I four points, baby. Slowly but surely, if we just we'll keep clawing back, baby. Um, can I get back to my negative uh, side it, of things? Yeah, go I'm ahead. In. Uh, that happened like what? Maybe two and a half hours after the women's team lost and got skunked to lose the overall love thing. So, you know, the comeback has, has failed. Oh is, it, oh, is it over? Yeah. Oh, well, they're still going to count points for whatever God fucking reason. They're, well, they're going to award like six points to UCF for having like three women finish hurdles um, at the end of the season. And then, yeah. This so this spring game debacle really broke you, Steve. <laughs> I am a broken man between you and Parker. <laughs> See, Parker's you, never going to do this. Are you a one-handed backhand guy or a two-handed backhand guy? Uh, depends. Depends on my. Uh, depends on if I can get set up. That's that's the key of it all. Is is if if it's a if it's in motion, I'm a one-handed backhand kind of guy. Uh, but if I can get set up, my, I got a devastating two-hand backhand. That's just awesome. hitting an absolute slicer. So I, I, I'm not even like like joking around. Like, Steve, are you actually good at tennis? I'm decent. I I am, and when I say decent, like Listen, I would probably lose. It was golf or tennis, all right? Yeah, he's already told us he's bad at golf. He's probably good at tennis. There's a lot so, less stuff. You because in tennis you can you can out athlete your opponent very easily. Like run, it is run them ragged. You can run them like if you know what you're doing, you can run them. The thing is, if you're playing someone who's technically like technically speaking better than you, like able to hit like cleaner shots and everything like that, I look like the fool because I'm running around huffing and puffing, and this guy is just fucking hitting slices and putting English on the ball that I couldn't even say, but. So, is there a random sport that you're actually like secretly good at? Like, like obviously, I mean, you're what you are a country club boy. Tennis, clearly, not the secret here. Squash, Was there some, like pickleball, pickleball racquetball, um, maybe. I already said it. Croquet. Just throw me out. Throw me on the croquet. Uh, on the croquet field. Just let me let her rip. Let me polo? tell you something. Regular polo. Got any any reps at regular polo? Not yet. The horse. Uh, the horse has left the stable, unfortunately, and uh, you know. Also, I'm not in the tax bracket that could play polo. I, I drove past polo grounds actually this past weekend to go to uh, West Palm, and my first thought was, "Good God, I have never seen so much money in like one square, like mile. Like people are just driving the most extravagant cars with the most just unworldly, and these horses are just massive hunks of just animal." It's incredible. I uh, see. Yeah. I I think I I think he's not tra- telling us, but I think Steve could definitely be a secret high lie, just a wizard. Mm. Could I could see that? I feel, like, I feel like I'd also be the idiot that just that would not die but get a serious injury by getting hit by like a hundred and ninety eight mile per hour concrete ball. That could that's, also be it. That seems right up my alley. Yeah. 
Seth, do you have a secret sport you're actually kind of good at? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, I guess me golf would be. I'm okay. I'm I'm all right at golf. I've, I've broken ninety. Um, I didn't really play much else. I played you know football. I'm not, I'm not bad at basketball. I thought I was might have been better at basketball in high school than football, but I never played because I was doing football. Uh, but nothing like uh, no niche, real niche sports for me. I, I think Seth's claim to fame is is I mean, secretly good at football is not a secret to us, but you do have the funnest fact of us all when it comes to the sport that you were good at. I, sp- I, I suppose. What, what's the secret fun fact? Oh, that John Brant or not John Brantley, fucking working with Kerwin Bell. Oh, yeah. and 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 knowing the insider secrets uh, and the Kerwin Bell. Well, that's right. Big big Kerwin guy here. In like fifteen years at at the on campus stadium at some sort of block party of or like tailgate, you're going to be a trivia question. You're you're gonna, it's going to be like which famed Daily Stampede contributor worked <laughs> was a quarterback under Kerwin Bell. All right, that'd be cool. That's what we're going to do for you. I appreciate mm. that. That's fair. I'm not good at any secret sport. I am perfectly bad at most sports. And I'm okay with you, that. I thought you were. I thought you got the hoops. I mean, I'm uh, like I'm good for that's like. Not really a, that's not a secret sport. Yeah. Though, <laughs> like that's I'm true. like. I'm good for what this is. What about, what like, about, like, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm gesturing toward my body. Like I'm good for whatever this is. Um, I did beat I did beat uh, my buddy who played college basketball in a game of 21 a few weeks ago. Uh, I nearly passed out when I got home, <laughs> but I did it. Uh, yeah, so that was fun. It's a victory. Yeah. Um, wow, that man, this thing went off the rails uh, sooner than I thought. I think Steve just kind of throwing us for a loop here, Seth. Uh, really, his negativity is out of it, nowhere. I seriously, it really was. It's a I'm a man of secrets. Just <laughs> he's probably a really good skier too. You yeah. look, Steve. I'm not right now with the glare. It looks like you're wearing one of those kits. That's the mustache, the nose, and the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is my I uh, whenever I'm on like video calls for work. This is my I'm just gonna stop paying attention for 20 minutes. Uh, look, it looks like you're wearing a disguise. Uh, the, my arch well, I enemy. Might, I might be. I freaking might be. Um, what were we talking about? I, I don't know, man. You really set us off the, the freaking rails. I'm not Men's even gonna lie. Tennis beating uh, Central Florida. Yep, and then they'll uh, face off against uh, Central Florida on Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, in the first uh, round of the conference tournament. Uh, I think they've been to most finals, if not all, um, over the last few years. I don't think they made it last year, um, but they've also been very, very good. Ashley Fisher does a fantastic job. He is he's a treasure, um, and he, he does good work uh, over there on, on the men's side. Um, Steve, do you think you could just ask him to pull double duty or what? Um. Yes. <laughs> save, save the department a little bit of money, Ash. Need yeah. you to need you to need you to play. Uh, I mean, I, I I would be shocked if like the men's and women's teams don't like already practice together. Like that it, it seems like a natural progression thing. But also, t- yeah. I'm always shocked at how big a tennis roster is. Because you only hear of like the the six guys that are on that are playing, but there's like 15 guys on the roster or something like that at all times. Well, you just got to make sure, right? Yeah, just in case. Um, all right, let's get let's get into men's basketball, women's basketball as the the portaling continues, uh, and then we'll we'll wrap up with football. This will be a, a nice, hopefully tight uh, 45. <laughs> uh, so men's basketball. Um, I think since we last talked, I think Caleb Murphy left. 
I think the thing that we've all talked about uh, secretly happening happened. Uh, he enters his name into the portal, and then he's going to go through the NBA draft process, um, like I was told back in February. And uh, his time in Tampa, regardless of how the draft process works out, he, he will not be playing for USF in 2022-2023. Kind of figured that's what would happen. Um, he joins uh, Jalen McCreary, who left earlier uh, this year. So far, those are the only two that have transferred out, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Steak? Yep. And then, okay. uh, obviously, Javon Green graduated. He used his last year of eligibility. So, uh, correct, three correct. missing pieces. One missing piece just yeah technically, I mean, yeah i mean if you're going to be mean about women's tennis i think we can be equally mean about men's basketball at yeah, this point like right. is that fair honestly every time someone brings up usf's transfers i have to this i have Jalen mccreer's name written down so i don't forget it <laughs> right like i i mean guy, like, he didn't do much like javon green he was decently good on defense he was supposed to come in to be a three-point shooter and was atrocious as was the rest of the team uh this past season i think we've talked about that ad nauseum they i mean literally they can't get any worse unless they stay last and then worsen their percentages which i mean law of averages that means that can't happen right you would be surprised my friend as as the story goes, you know uh, what? Honestly, I we can keep digging. <laughs> we can keep digging. Yeah, yeah. we'll struggle yeah. eventually, but boy, are we about to hit some more mud? That's you're probably right. Well, let's uh, go slightly positive, I guess. Um, the, we've got a couple of new transfers. Uh, we've got Doc. Uh, Pooh, man, I was shocked by how that's pronounced. Uh, Mudar. Mardar. Mardar. Okay. Doc Mardar. Uh, he is a 6'11", 200-pound forward slash center. I, uh, there's highlights out there of him. And, Steve, you and I talked about this privately. Like, he doesn't look 6'11". He doesn't look 6'10". I told Steve if he's 6'10", then I, so am I. Um, but then I saw him at the spring game. I'm like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I think he just plays hunched over. There's a little bit of um, – I'm not saying – I want to be perfectly clear when I when I speak these words out of my mouth. There's a bit of uh, Chet Holmgren in him where he doesn't play – like Chet's like 7-1, but he plays like he's 6-7. He plays hunched over. It's a weird – It's a game. very athletic big man. Like you, when you have Russ – Chewa and, and Doc Mardar on the court at the same time, both technically the same height, are playing two very different styles of basketball. Yes. And Doc, um, is, a, Doc is a freshman, correct? Correct. Yes. I got corrected by the fucking man himself, Michael Kelly, on a drive-by. Just, oh yeah, freshman, not transfer. Because I thought it was Hutchinson Community College, but it's Hutchinson Prep Academy. Huntington it's Prep. Huntington Prep. Man, you are no. terrible at this. My lord. Uh, so he had other he had offers from uh, Oregon State and LSU. Uh, he's from the South Sudan. Uh, then then went to Huntington Prep in West Virginia. Uh, he was a thirteen and eleven guy with four blocks in his senior year or his senior year of high school. Um, could could be a rim runner, rim protector, uh, but it's at, if he's straight up six eleven and two hundred pounds. He needs to be in the weight room yesterday. Uh, He's crazy long, though. He is. He is. He is very, very long. Um, So that could help uh, in the long run. uh, I think if he gets 25 to 30 more pounds on him and stays as athletic as he is, then then you got something. But uh, until one of these guys ever pans out, I am just fully – uh, in skeptical mode. So is his name Doc Murder? Or pretty close to that? It, yeah, it, I mean, spelling-wise, you're very close. Doc Murder. Call him Kaborki. Uh, so- That's a great joke. Nobody gets it. 
It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then they also added Ryan Conwell. Uh, he's a 6'3", 190-pound guard. Uh, he was a three-star by 247 in rivals. He had offers from Virginia Tech, Xavier, Murray State, App State, Wichita State. Uh, he was one of the top uh, players coming out of Indiana, um, which is a, you know, it's the, the Hoosier State. They play a lot of hoops there, the Sycamore State. Um, some guy named Larry Bird played there. I think he's from there. Um they, they they hoop they hoop in Indiana because it's you know one of the few indoor sports that they can play year round. Um, he uh, was uh, 16, 16, two assists and four rebounds per game his junior year. Uh, he he had a he exploded for a thirty three point game in an AAU uh, game this year. Um, I think that's kind of where he started to get felt his presence on, on the circuit. Uh, prove to me that one of you guys can bring the ball up the court when Memphis press presses and uh, I'm sold. But until then, I have serious, serious doubts about Trey Moss and or Ryan Conwell running this offense successfully or uh, competently uh, if Brian Gregory doesn't bring anyone in the portal uh, over the summer uh, because that's what they need. And they, they need to add some bodies. I think they still have – a few scholarships left to give out, right? I don't have the exact count. I think they have two. Um, but I always get confused with college basketball and then the whole walk-on getting a scholarship thing always confuses me going into the next year. Um, I believe they have two because they're constantly looking at, like, and this is going to sound bad, they're, like, they constantly do things in two whenever they do visits. So that gives me the inkling that they're looking at adding to. Um, okay. I think that, so I, obviously Ryan and, and, and Doc are, you know, two of those scholarships. And I think right now they're at 13, if I'm doing my math correct. So really all they have to replace is um, the Mark Kalea scholarship that's no longer on the books. And then the Javon Green um, departure. Or if you want the technical certs, uh, the Caleb Murphy departure and the Jalen McCurry departure. Either way, I think they have two more that they can give out. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, women's basketball, they've got to reload. Uh, Lisa Penzon uh, entered the portal, transferred out. She's in, She's at Maryland now. Um, God bless her. Um, she she was great for USF for four years. And I don't I, like with David Collins and, and those those guys who left, she shouldn't even be playing college basketball anymore. She's done, but let her go. Some let her go to the Big Ten school. Let her have some fun her with her final year uh, of eligibility. So why not? Um, they welcome in Priscilla Williams. She's a sophomore transfer from Syracuse. Uh, she she redshirted this past season after a, a pretty gnarly um, fall in the ACC conference tournament against Florida State. Uh, at the end of 2021, uh, but she she can light it up. Uh, she lit it up as a as a freshman. Uh, she averaged 8.7 points per game. She kind of fell off toward the end of the year, uh, toward the end of conference play. Uh, but she uh, she popped off for 26 on a perfect uh, shooting night uh, versus Miami early on in, in that conference slate, and uh, she averaged 3.2 assists, 3.2 rebounds uh, in her 21 starts. Uh, she was a top 10 recruit in the 2020 class. Uh, Jose continues to do what he does best. And then uh, Jeanette uh, Arenio, probably uh, saying that wrong, uh, obviously, uh, from Finland, uh, is coming over. Um, she's she's at the Helensky uh, Basketball Academy. She's averaging 14.8 points per game. Uh, 4.4 rebounds, three assists. Um, she's been pretty good. She's also a member of the Finland national team, the fin the Finnish national team. Um, so just another uh, European who can shoot for uh, Jose Fernandez and his team. And then there was another one. Steve, can you help me out? The Caitlin one that had McGee. That's why you're here. That's why you pay me the big bucks. Yep. Uh, she was transferred. That was announced Monday. 
Yeah, Tuesday. really late Monday. Monday. Or no, sorry, Tuesday. I'm getting my days mixed up. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Are you sure? Was, no, it was Monday. Where's she from? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Perfect. Originally from Jacksonville, Florida. Duval. Yep. So there'll still be uh, some more uh, transfers coming in for women's basketball and men's basketball. Not nearly as worried for women's basketball. Uh, I shot Jose a text um, a couple weeks ago, and it's like, sorry, man, I've been uh, in Europe recruiting. Uh, I'm busy reloading. So uh, that's just – that's Jose's life motto. Uh, he's, he's reloading. He, they don't rebuild, they reload. And uh, for the better part of 20 years, he's he's done just that. So can you give him the benefit of the doubt? I still have no idea what the hell happened after the Bahamas this past season. Uh, that's going to have to be a, a that's going to have to be a conversation to have at one at some point. Um, but we'll get there. Um, but I think that's it for men's and women's basketball. Let's get into the nitty gritty stuff. Uh, why you guys probably still listen to us sometimes? Uh, football, football wrapped up their spring practices two weeks ago, right? The ninth, so eleven days ago, almost two weeks. Uh, it was really fun to see that uh, they froze their own kicker. I was, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. Um, oh, that poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Twice. Yeah. Both balls landed on Himes, unfortunately. It was not uh, particularly close on either one. <laughs> so no, no adjustment needed. <laughs> I got this. Don't you worry about it, guys. I know I may have missed by 15 yards to the right, but you know what? Let's uh, try time, that again. I'm gonna miss by 15 and a half yards this time. Yeah. That was but, uh, it got it obviously got to me, missed by a half yard further out. So yeah, um, God, that was just incredible. I loved, I loved every bit of it. That was some, that was the funniest thing I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, I'm so happy. Now we didn't use the first, we didn't use the timeouts at the end of the first half, but you know we've talked about that. Uh, <laughs> or after the, uh, we talked about that after the game. Maybe that was a uh, try to get out of dodge there with the with some help. Uh, but I, I thought for anybody that didn't listen to our post game, I thought the general statement um, about the game was, you know, that we were really disappointed that some of us, two thirds of us were disappointed. This was not being streamed so people could watch. But if you weren't going to stream it, I was really hopeful that they wouldn't be vanilla. Like uh, I just got done watching Florida's game and doing some stuff with that. Florida was pretty vanilla for the most part. USF was not vanilla, especially defense. They didn't wait. They didn't really wait until the second half. They started doing some stuff early, uh, defensively moving and blitzing and doing all kinds of stuff. So I was glad that since they weren't broadcasting, they really went kind of all out and really showed some different stuff and tried to be competitive like a real game. Um, so that was good to see. I, to me, that I can, after the fact, I can say, okay, it makes a little bit more sense if you're going to do it like that. But you kind of, to, to me, you had to do it like that. And then they also got a really good crowd. So when you, when you add those two things up, I don't think uh, you can kind of see the method to the madness there of not streaming the game. I'm sure a lot of more people like to watch it. It would have been nice for us to be able to uh, have some film that wasn't field level with a kid standing in front of the camera. But, um, you know, other than that, I, I understand why they didn't stream. And I, I thought it was a pretty entertaining product to watch live. Agreed. And uh, a Joe, a Joe is going to be a freaking dude. Uh, if he doesn't turn into like the face of the program, I'm going to be so sad. That guy is a walking quote. If he's not, uh, if he's not in the NFL, he could go into professional wrestling. He's a really charismatic guy. Oh man. He can cut a promo. Athlete, big athletic, charismatic guy. You can make some money somewhere. Exactly. He can cut a freaking promo. I'm excited for it. Um, but there has been some portaling uh, <clears throat> as we uh, leave spring practice. Uh, Cesar Reyes. My, uh, I'm so RIP, sorry, Nate. I know. RIP <laughs> Chamberlain High School. Once again, a Chamberlain Chief does not make it out alive uh, at USF. Um, 
still waiting for still waiting for a chief to pop off. I'm just it's been a very, very long time slash ever. I think the last I think the last guy to actually play in like play meaningful minutes uh in a game from Chamberlain is Edner Allison, who got passed over by Carlton Mitchell from Gaither. Um they came in together at the same time and that was uh, about it, which is terrible. But to be fair, all the good guys from Chamberlain typically went to Florida State. So Seth, did you ever play Chamberlain growing up? No, we never played Chamberlain. I think we mm. played uh Blake in Tampa. We didn't play it, we didn't play a ton in Tampa when mm. I was coming up. So Okay. Did you you know uh Roderick Bunkley? Have you heard of him? Yeah, the name I, I know mean, the name. Yeah. That sounded like a fake name. I'm sorry. No, he, yeah, he was he was not he was not a fake name. He was a former first round draft pick of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and bounced around. Uh I think he played in the NFL for about ten years. Um so you know, got that going for us. Um Ollie Hoyt also played college football. Um but I digress. Cesar Reyes is now in the portal. Mm-hmm. I forgot what we were talking about. Cesar Reyes uh, in the portal. Um, Uriah Green also in the portal. So that's two offensive linemen uh, in the portal for the Bulls. I uh, expect that they will go out hunting for some more scholarship offensive linemen here uh, over the summer, which is why Jeff Scott and company left some scholarships open because they still need help. And some of this is probably a result of they went – into the portal before spring and got some division one linemen transferring in. Yes. Uh, guys that were older that had time left, similar timelines as the two that transferred out. So, um, you know, you kind of just that competition there, you have two guys leave, but you probably have two guys that maybe have passed them in the program now. So net positive probably for the position group, but you still hate to see anybody leave, um, especially guys that, you feel like yeah. maybe be contributors were down the line, but and uh, most imp- I wouldn't say most importantly, but honestly, most importantly, uh, for at least for Seth and I, we've loved this player since he got on campus. Uh, his his our love for him uh, is not quite Amari Amari and Dawson levels, but it's pretty high yeah. up there. Uh, linebacker Demars Bellamy has also entered the portal. Poor That's the big time that. That's the big uh, pouring out. Uh, I thought he was going to be a freaking guy, and he he was in spurts. And his, I think he finished what top three in grit score uh, in winter workouts. Yeah, workout. that was the surprising like, thing. He was uh, one of their better guys in the offseason program. He was one of the only guys that was not a super senior that was top ten in the program in the offseason program in terms of the grit rankings. And then we're sitting there watching the game, and I think I turned to you and go, I haven't seen a lot of Demarge Bellamy. And uh, I think he probably felt the same way. He didn't see a lot of himself playing either. So Yeah, so there it is. Um, that's tough. I mean, the li- much like the offensive line room, uh, they went out and got a couple of pretty high-profile fo- high transfers and uh, Jalen Schuler from uh, Hutch- Hutchinson Community College. And uh, then they went and got DJ Gordon from Minnesota. And DJ is a freaking guy. Uh, that man goes sideline to sideline at 154 miles an hour. The shooter right. makes some plays in the game, too. Yep. Um, he, he, had a big, he had a big old – he stuck someone in the hole. I remember that. Start of the second half, he's, he, he, came, he came in and whacked somebody just to start it off. So, um, and both those guys with like COVID years may also have more years left than Bellamy does. It's just kind of a weird quirk. It seems like yeah. Bellamy's still a young guy, but we're probably in like his third or fourth year in the program now. So, yep. Uh, just couldn't they, get it to they work saw for the whatever two reason behind them too. Yeah. So couldn't get it to work for whatever reason, but I, I don't think they're going to have a depth issue there at linebacker. It doesn't seem like it. No. Especially if they want to play like more four two stuff. So uh, unfortunate, but it's. It's sometimes a sign of a healthy program when you have guys transferring out that you're that you're like, oh man, it's too bad we can't keep him. You know, he's a pretty good player. He was a highly rated recruit. You know, in the past couple of seasons, you've seen guys that weren't on scholarship transferring out, and you're like, oh man, that guy played a lot last year. They were they might have been relying on him. This year, you have guys that have shown flashes of talent, have shown uh, to be kind of highly recruited had some pretty good offer lists coming out of college or coming out of high school and 
and those guys are leaving. So you got to feel the talent levels getting higher and higher, which is a good thing as, as, as much as it stinks to lose somebody. Yeah. Um, and it kind of leads into, you know, the, where this team has been that, you know, there, there was the athletic uh, piece out by Chris Fanini. If you guys haven't checked it out, please do. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It's well researched. It's not the same uh, hokey USF crap that we've heard over the last five years. Take it from me. Someone who absolutely is just tired of that shit. Like I, I never want to read another Matt Baker article about USF's woefully <laughs> inept program or anything like that. This is, this is extremely, extremely well-written. And, and from what I've under what, what I'm seeing, it's actually very well received by most people because I, I most people aside from you know the the drive by you know bulls peed ahead kind of people, um, everyone's kind of like this. Is, yeah, like they have the opportunity to fix it. They finally have the alignment, and you can kind of see what I noted was the quiet part from the last twenty five years of football uh, was finally said out loud in that article. Yeah, uh, I agree, and. Uh, uh, Jim Levitt was interviewed for it. Michael Kelly was interviewed for this. Jeff Scott was interviewed for this. It was, uh, you know, you got some of the key stakeholders for the last 15 plus years, you know, 25 plus years of, of this program where, you know, Jim Levitt was the closest to ever, it was the closest to saying the, the super quiet part out loud, super much. He, he really blamed the administration and it, that's really what happened. Right. It's Judy Ginshaft, Doug Willard, Mark Harlan, every single guy that's come through didn't capitalize on USF's football success early on. They just thought, oh, well, we've made it. My job here is done. I'm going to kick my feet up and take pictures. They didn't. They, they never capitalized on being number two in the nation in 2007. And then, as Jim Levitt points out, they were also ranked the two years after that, and still nothing happened. Still, no plans made, were made for the the at least the practice facility. Never mind the, the on campus stadium. Um, and I think it was Michael Kelly in the story said, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best is today. We're we're getting there. We are absolutely getting there. You see. The IPF being, you know, put up. You see Jeff Finnick and, and the Morsani family put up ten million dollars combined to put down for the on-campus stadium. You see the plans in action, and it's starting to affect, you know, the rest of the the program and the programs plural, because everything else is kind of getting put into place. Baseball and softball are getting. Uh, New batting cages and facilities, tennis, uh, track got a new uh, track and field got a new track. I mean, the other, the you know, golf's gotten some upgrades at their facility. It, it slowly but surely will start to happen for this entire athletic program. And now we've got a president in real law who has said the magic phrase that athletics is the front porch to university. The true alignment is there. Um, but the, the point that I kind of want to, you know, kind of dig into um, for a little bit before we get out of here is Jeff Scott finally, you know, he, he said it a couple of times. I think he said it on uh, the post game presser uh, after the spring game. You know, I, I finally have the depth of a D one football team. And it takes a while to build that. And I just kind of going through the 2019 and 2020 recruiting class. And you see why there's been such a dearth of talent. Like just looking at the 2019 class, uh, Daquan Evans, Dustin Hall, and then Kelly Joyner and Xavier Weaver. So those are four guys that are key contributors. Okay. And then you can make your mind up on uh, Logan Berryhill, Jaden Curry, Jason Vaughn, and uh, Josh Blanchard. Who, did Josh transfer out? God, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> I don't think he did. Anybody in the comments, uh, did he transfer? He might. I mean, he, he may have. I, I honestly, like, that's just. Like, no, he's still here. He's oh, okay. Still, good. He's still, well, okay. Now I feel kind of bad, but like. Well, he there was, some, there was quite a few guys on the line that seemed to be held out of the spring game. So it's kind of hard to tell because you didn't right. see him. 
So Dustin Hall, I think, was another one that didn't play. So yeah. It's like you have four key guys from the 2019 class, and then the 2020 class, Jeff Scott's first season, the transition season, are they're always terrible. You've already had what six guys transfer out. Um let's let's take a look. Uh Cesar Reyes. Technically it's uh, seven. Levant, Technically it's Levante, eight, actually. Uh, did Levante Camille uh transfer out as well? Levante yeah. Camille transferred, yeah. Uh Sion Tatupo never made it to campus. Uh Uriah Green um uh, also uh left and uh Travis Marsh went in and out. So I mean from this from the 2020 class, you're looking at Amaru and Dawson, however you feel about Tramel Logan, Matt Harris, Chris Townsell, however you feel about them, however you feel about AJ Hamilton, uh Brian Batte, all American all Americans. So you, 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 bang, you hit that. Yeah, Nick. Nick. Well, sorry, I, mean, I, I was reading Nick's comment. Yeah, <laughs> Nick. Nick nails it there, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, I like that that twenty twenty class. Like we knew half that class probably wasn't going to graduate from USF. Like just plain and simple, because that's, that's a, transition that's, class. Yeah, it's a transition class kind of math. But, but the fact that he was able to hit at least, in my good honest opinion, he hit at least two good studs out of that group. Yeah. One of them being Batie. Who was to who was from the previous staff, really. Right. To their, and then, credit, to their credit, as much as they didn't get much in, he was one of them. And then keep and then I mean, yes, backup, but a very key important person is Contreras Marsh in that, and, in that um, class. And Amarion Dollison. And Amarion Dollison, yes. Oh. But sorry, three people. Um but yeah, I mean it's 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 to be said that you know your first transition class is mostly duds, but you know you got it. You get a few studs out of that class too. Yeah, I, what's what I took from that article is I don't think Jeff Scott realized how what bad it the was. roster looked like. Well, he yeah, didn't watch think, any film. Uh, yeah, that's part of it. That probably would have helped, but he may, maybe he wouldn't have taken the job. So, uh, I, people didn't realize how bad the roster was that last year. Um. I'm not one to like in the moment rip on kids as it's happening, but now that we're a few years away from it, there was no explosiveness on that roster. I think people see, like, I bet Jeff Scott was like, hey, man, there's a lot of Florida guys on that roster. I recruit Florida. There's a lot of good players in Florida. I bet they got a lot of good players and there's just poor coaching. Then you get down and you're like, oh, this is like uh, not great. Not a lot of depth. Um, issues all over the place and it takes some time to get out of that hole and he's finally getting there and luckily he's got the transfer portal to help him out but yeah it was not i don't think people and i think nick's right it's people don't understand the the state of that roster that last year and kind of how the recruiting had grinded to such a halt yeah that it, you weren't bringing in a ton even the years before so that 2019 class the 20 I don't. I think all the the classes were going downhill, kind of his entire tenure. So, not great. I yeah, thought I mean, it, it's tough to go from a charismatic guy like Willie Taggart to uh, dry as uh, dirt mixed with some cardboard and a just stale, you know, week old cereal like Charlie. Like that's what Charlie Strong is and has always been, or at least over the last five years i don't think he should have taken this job uh, i think texas really scarred him and, and messed him up which that's a whole different can of worms yeah. that we don't have time to get into well but and you know what's kind of interesting is and it was mentioned in the article i think it was Corey long that said it that you know that taggart and levitt weren't well liked by the local coaches but what's interesting is it's it, it's Miami is a whole different animal in terms of recruiting and football culture. It's totally different than the rest of the state. South Florida, like that part of South Florida is different. And it seems like Taggart and Levitt, their personalities kind of mesh more with that area where you can get a lot of talent from. Where Strong, he kind of his 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 um his demeanor seems more in line with some of the local programs and and some that don't produce as much talent, but sometimes they have pretty good programs. And this is how we do things. And this is this, and we win because of the program. 
I still um, can't figure out what Strong's philosophy was the entire time. Like he didn't stick no, to. No, it wasn't great. And then I think Willie did a pretty good job of reaching out to high school coaches, whatever the local guys say. I know he, I was coaching when he was here, and he kind of re he kind of was doing some of the the high school outreach. They had some guys working in high school outreach that were really well thought of by high school coaches. Um, I know a lot of guys like Levitt from the camp circuit and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think that part of it's interesting too. kind of the, the personality of the head coach maybe yeah. fitting in with some local programs, but um, the, I think the ones that personality fits in, you're not going to be able to get as much yeah. talent as you need to win. You're be able to kind of canvas the whole state too. And it's pretty interesting. Like, you know, as Corey Law mentioned, like, you know, a lot of these guys haven't been liked by the Hillsborough County coaches. Is it really necessary? Like, I'll, I'm going to be truth, like brutally, like is Hillsborough County football, high school football, really the end all be all? Because Not I more. think I think you can really win without a single player from Hillsborough County on on your team. If like, you I, I really, really, I truly believe that there's not one. Oh man, you know, like Plant, you know, before Wiener left, maybe, but like now, eh, I mean, they were Plant was really good with Jordan McLeod at quarterback, and, and Jordan McLeod never panned out in college. No matter how much I love personally love the kid, so like well, Plant was like a program like like i was saying this is how right. we do things this is the way we do it really well run program i mean you get some places down in miami where the program stinks but the players are so insane it doesn't matter like but then then you but then you also have those places down there where the programs are really good too and that's where you get those really really good players that consistently year after year they pump guys out and even their lower level guys end up being great players but um you know i, I, I think that another area Taggart hit that and I coached here. So I know guys is the kind of manatee Sarasota. He really did. There's a lot of guys that can play that kind of get passed over. Cause it's not quite in Tampa. And then you got IMG there now. So a lot of guys will go to IMG and kind of spend their time there, but they have a ton of really good players there. Marlon Mack came from uh, there. The, the Immokalee pipeline has just yeah. straight up dried up. Like, yeah, I mean, the West, the West consistently Coast, hitting on the West Coast Amazi guys. West Coast, south of Tampa, south of St. Pete, has got a lot of really good players, and you haven't seen. I don't think Strong did a really good job getting in there. He didn't do anything there. Which Taggart, I, I can Taggart pulled a bunch of really good players, and that's you know within two two hours of campus, probably mm-hmm. two three hours of Mockley, and up to basically Mockley up to Palmetto is. That's uh that's a talent rich area. Uh nine four one with Mancy Sarasota, a yeah. lot of players there. I mean your most, after. your most recent all American is from where? Uh, the nine four one. You can't like you you don't have to recruit like I I love Hillsborough County. You don't have to recruit this county. You can you can win if you recruit Pinellas, if you recruit Polk, because uh, you can recruit Orange County. You could, if you can get back into Miami, you can win without any Hillsborough kids. I, honest to God, cannot remember the last Hillsborough guy who was a actual player when USF was good. It's like MVS Pinellas County, Rodney Adams Pinellas County, uh, Mitch Pinellas County. Like, do you see where I'm going with this, guys? Yeah. Quentin Flowers, it's, Miami, Marlon Mack, Sarasota, Dearness Johnson, Immokalee. Where I don't even know where Immokalee is. Manatee, Sarasota, that area? Yeah, no, it's Lee. I think it's Lee County. It's way Lee down, County, there. Yeah, down there. I mean, it's it's out in the middle of nowhere. Trust me, I had to go. I had to go there for a playoff game. It's it's a trek. You go, and then they have an altar field, Edron James Field, which is pretty nice. Nigel Harris. He 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 was a Hillsborough High guy. There we go. We got one. I, I think you can probably it, for for Scott to be successful. It, it's it's the very unfortunate thing. You you always have to keep one hand in the Hillsborough cookie pot, and like I think that's just of, like the minimum. Yeah, that's and that's that's all he's got to do. He's just, I mean, I I have uh, thankfully uh, USF alumni um, or USF recruiting news. Um, like he has the map that shows where they're offering kids. They've offered plenty of kids in Hillsborough. 
they've offered plenty of kids in the greater Tampa area, but the issue, but like the issue is that pond is, I mean, everyone is offering every kid in Hillsborough County. And it's the top, the top guys go P five, right? So they're off just straight up. They're off the board. Now all of these other high school coaches, and I promise you, because I've had conversations with these high school coaches as well as college coaches. Well, these, well, I mean, this guy's kind of a fringy. He's a two-star low three. Why don't you just take him? I mean, he's from Tampa. You just should just take him. That's just not how this works. You no. have, well, I'm going to be out of the job in two years if I just keep taking your fringe guy. Yeah. Right. And I, I talked to Scott and Holman about this as well. Like it, it is, it is physically impossible for schools like Houston, for schools like USF, for UCF, even guy like Tulane. It is physically impossible for them to recruit their – they can't fence off their area. You can't fence off the New Orleans area, Houston area, Tampa, Orlando. You cannot fence off those areas because the top guys are always taken and then those middling guys are always taken and so on and so forth until those fringe two-star guys. Like there, I think it was Big County Preps was like, why hasn't USF offered Keon, Keon Terrell from um, – is it Gaither? I think he's like the number three overall player in the class. We haven't offered him because he's not going to come here. Why the? Why would we like? He he was already committed to Notre Dame at like in at like in the tenth grade. Why would Jeff Scott even attempt <laughs> to put forth effort on that? And he said he said that in the article too. Uh, in yeah. the athletic article, he mentioned, and this is what he said in the first coaches clinic before COVID kind of came in and and shut us down, and then the the man held us down for this latest one. Um, he came in and said he thought, hey, we're not going to get the top guys that Alabama and Clemson want to come get, but we're going to take guys from Indiana. We're going to take guys from Kentucky. We're going to take guys from West Virginia. Those in North Carolina State, those are some of the schools he mentioned. And I think he didn't realize how, okay, maybe not. Maybe I'm not going to get all those guys. But what they've done really well, and just from talking with coaches I know in that Manatee, Sarasota County, there were times where they didn't hear from somebody from USF for like six months at a time. And like Palmetto high school, one coach I know he didn't hear from, he didn't see anybody for over a year. It's like a 45 minute drive to campus. It's not that far away. And they put out, they don't have D one guys every year, but they got pretty close. They've got a kid that's starting at FAU right now that could, that could have started USF, but they didn't offer him a slot receiver. You know, that's going to start at USF. I never uh, was it big enough. Nathaniel Dell. Yep. Yeah. So there, I I think this staff is doing a much better job of getting into all the areas, and they had a plan to do that. Each one of each, each coach has like in, in like the one hour radius around campus. Every school has a specific coach that goes and talks to those guys. So that is much better than pre the previous staff who let guys kind of. I mean, there were a couple guys at some of these schools that could have walked they could have been part of your walk-on program and you know they didn't even come by and, and look at them before so i mean guys are pretty decent players that had like prepaid college in the state of florida they're like hey I'd, I'd like to walk on and by the time you know everything was kind of put together it was too late because the last staff didn't really do any due diligence on these guys so we i think we had a pretty good idea of the the talent level and how that became a big issue. I think Jeff Scott learned it a little bit more once he got here and then understood how difficult it can be to recruit right now if you're not winning. And then you don't have some of the stuff to sell that the other schools have. But now with the indoor, with the on-campus stadium, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's happening. Like, so you got a lot more to sell. I think you'll see the recruiting get better and better. But that, that I think was the one of the biggest issues outside of the the problems with the administration. It's just that, that the recruiting just sags so much. You can't keep up. Yep. I agree. Uh, and let's, let's just end it on, on this, uh, this little um, thing that we discussed, I think, you know, good conversation. Uh, love having, you know, the, the comments every single week. Um, we're still heading in the right direction. We're like the, I, I don't want anyone to get bent out of shape. Um, what we discussed tonight, uh, maybe outside of Steve, just absolutely calling for the firing of the head coach carpet bombing. the <clears throat> Listen, US, USF admins. It was not me this time. You cannot blame me for what he said. 
I was not expecting it. I agree, but I was not expecting it. <laughs> uh, but uh, appreciate uh, everyone uh, joining. Uh, we'll we'll probably have one in another week or two. We just need more content, honestly. I mean, there we're running out. We're we're batting ball season. We haven't even gotten to to baseball and softball. I still need time to decompress about what's happened with baseball over the last two and a half, three weeks. Um, there are, it's, you know, our pets heads are falling off at this point. I don't like their second half team. They're coming back. <laughs> oh man. Ugh. There's okay. so much talent. There really there's, is. Yeah. There's so much talent. That's, that's all I'll say. Don't get hot. Yeah. Don't get hot. Don't worry. Ugh. man. But alas, here we are at the end. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Always fun. We'll we'll reconvene uh, here in a week or so. Uh, oh, if anyone came in late, nobody said to fire Jeff Scott. I don't know if that's that that did. No, my 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 scourge and wrong head my, coach. <laughs> my wrong, scourge came wrong. to a different uh, coach wrong and sport. a different sport. And it's not the one you think it is. <laughs> that should, that that'll be the tag for the Twitter the, the tweet. Uh, Steve fires a coach, but not the one you think. Find out more on this edition of the Bluminati podcast. Uh, again, uh, appreciate you guys tuning in and listening, downloading, subscribing. Um, again, check out the athletic article from Chris Vanini if you haven't already. It's been pretty great. Chris is a good dude, very good golfer, and has a great beard. So good for him. Hope to get a uh, scramble. Yeah. Uh, for Seth Stee, this has been Nathan Bond signing off on another edition of the Blue Naughty Podcast, proudly presented by Homefield Apparel. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.